the Southern Cinema. I'm Dennis. And I'm Bonnie. And we're here for a bonus episode. Bonus. Yes. We're going to be talking about a movie that was nowhere near the best picture lineup in oh, 1987. Uh, but we'll talk about it. What are we talking about today, Bonnie? Today we're talking about The Princess Bride. Yes. Ever heard of it? I have heard of it. What's your history with The Princess Bride? I didn't see it when it came out in the theater in... Mm-hmm. 1987. Yeah. I can't remember when I first watched it. Uh, yeah, somebody... But not terribly long after that. Yeah, somebody introduced it to me, and it was like, well, that's fun. And then, let's see, 87, so I was in college. And then, I don't know, or we, you know, by 1991, I was having kids. And mm-hmm. the kids were really little. Then when we started just really... It came on again, and then watch it. And the more times I watched it, the more times I loved it. And now we watch it at least once a year on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. Sometimes more. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, well, I mean, we, I don't, it's hard to go a week without quoting something from this movie. Yes. It just always comes up. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and so it's really, we, we named our dog Fezzik after mm-hmm. one of the characters in the movie. Not yeah. only did we name him after that, but... When, when we thought of the concept of getting a new dog, it was like, let's get a giant dog, we'll get a male, and we'll name him Pheasant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we did have a buttercup for a while, but after a couple of weeks, Adam uh, was, maybe yeah. not even, maybe it might have been a couple of days, Tessie was originally oh, right, buttercup. Right, that's right, yeah. I remember that. And then, uh, and then we tried to also adopt a, a chihuahua. And yeah. we were going to name him Vicini, but we just <laughs> couldn't crazy. get a good match. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I really wanted a Fezzik and Vicini. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so really get a six finger dog. Six finger dog. They're harder yeah. to come by. Um, I actually did see the movie when it came out. Um, our brother Joe, mm-hmm. who we've talked about before on yeah. this podcast. He's a huge Mark Knopfler fan. Oh, uh, yeah. From Dire Straits. Oh, right. And yeah. he did the sound, the score right. for The Princess Bride. Amazing score. Yeah. Really great score. And so was the score as a not fan, nominated for anything? Um, the score itself was not, but the song was. Oh, it was nominated. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, that was its only nomination. It was for mm-hmm. Best Song for Storybook Love. Okay. Um, Which is a great song. It is a great song. The... So Joe wanted to see the movie just because it's Mark Knopfler yeah. and it looked like a kid's movie. So he invited me and uh-huh. we went to see it um, just when it opened in 1987. And I just loved it. <laughs> I was, uh, gosh, I would have been 11 or 12. Yeah. Yep. And I just, I totally just fell in love with the movie and it was not a hit or movie that people were talking about. Um, It's kind of started to catch on little by little, like out on Mm -hmm. video. And I do remember not terribly long after that, like the teacher showed it in class and one of those days where Uh the teacher just shows a movie to (laughs) to catch up on something. What was with that? Yeah. But anyways, this was a a good movie to show to kids. And, you know... uh, I felt I felt special because I was like one of the only ones who had seen it before, mm-hmm. and but you know they still didn't like me after that. But that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah. I've, and I this kept is it. a huge family favorite. Huge family favorite among 
actually just just me and the brothers. Cindy, not so much. Yeah, she's not all that that. familiar with it. Our parents are only vaguely familiar with it, but 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 Um, of us five siblings, four of us could basically quote everything. Pretty much all of the next generation. Uh, Yes, exactly. Completely obsessed. Yeah. yeah, so you know, I have to, I have to give a shout out to Joe for you yeah, know, taking Joe, me to this I movie. I told you, uh, sibling awesome. of the century. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did a good job on this. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a great family too. He does have a great family. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but there, he stopped me from going to see the the Last Emperor a couple months later. So. <sighs> Uh, yeah, that's another story you can hear about it on a, another yeah. one of our. I podcasts. like this movie better than the Last Emperor. Yeah, well, the Last Emperor won Best Picture for nineteen eighty seven. Okay, we talked yeah. about that. I like this movie better. <laughs> so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, the Last Emperor is fine. I don't. Um, it looks great. It's well, Dennis. It's not you terrible. should tell us what the movie is about. Yeah, well, this is about a, uh, a grandfather. Oh yeah. By Peter Falk, mm-hmm. who uh, comes to read his um, his young uh, grandson a story because he's sick in bed. Because he's sick in bed, he doesn't want to hear it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, we get into this uh, story set in kind of a medieval fantasy land where um, you have a farm boy and a farm girl who fall in love, and then he. Um, supposedly gets killed and the prince wants to marry her and um, then we get introduced to uh, pirates and swordsmen and uh, uh, giants and there's filled with adventure and uh, true love um, sword fighting kissing kissing lots of (laughs) kissing uh, shrieking eels and large rodents and then the the grandson uh, loves the story. Yeah. And that's... Uh, Gets that's into the it at the end. Yeah. That, so that is a framing device done well. It's such a great framing device. Yeah. And they do it... Really? Again, this is my beef with Titanic, which is a movie that I have reluctantly admitted that I actually really, really like. Yes. <laughs> Still one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. that we've watched so far. Um, anyway, but... It's, uh, I hated the framing device, but I think it was going for something like this. Yeah. Where yeah. I mean, this is just a terrific framing device and it, mm-hmm. it's, it would be a different movie without it. I think. Yeah, it yeah. would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we should talk about what is your, uh, why are we talking about this now? Yeah. So we're talking about this now because this week, all of a sudden, I had an opportunity to go see it in the theater, which mm-hmm. for me was the first time seeing it in the, on oh, the big okay. screen. Mm-hmm. And we have a friend of ours who is part of the, who's actually is a very good friend who leads the Cinema Society mm-hmm. of San Diego. Um, Andy, well, the, our friend is Ken, but mm-hmm. his friend Andy, I should remember. Remember Andy's last name, but he's a big guy in the movies. He's involved in the industry, yeah. and he runs the Cinema Society of San Diego. And so, what they do is, uh, you pay a lot of money, and uh, like a lot, a lot, or um, 
I suppose I could look it up. Yeah, we could look it up. Mm-hmm. Pay a lot of... I was the youngest that I noticed in the theater for this. Okay. Um, so they do showings of films, some new films coming up. Mm-hmm. I have heard now, uh, just the intro. Well, I'll get into that. Yeah. Um, anyway, they... Uh, uh, so they get together for screenings, and then they'll have people involved in the movies come and and talk to this group. Yes. Right. So this week the screening was uh, for Princess Bride. Yeah. And usually, or very often, they're new movies. Although they, I, I think they're, I don't know if it's very often, but they do both old movies and up and coming movies. And then Mandy Patinkin was there, and. Uh, so man, he plays the Spaniard, Enigo Montoya, in in this, and is one of our beloved. I mean, they're all beloved characters. He's definitely one of our favorites. <laughs> they're all great. Characters. Yeah, they're all great characters. He's definitely one of our favorites. So our friend Ken was telling me that he had these tickets, but he and his wife couldn't go, uh, and he asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like. Wait, so what is the movie? He says Princess Bride. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I didn't have time that evening. But anyway, so it was this last minute thing. And then he said that Mandy Patinkin was going to be there. And he's like, yeah, I think he was the, uh, and he gave the wrong character. And I was like, no, 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 no. He was an evil Montoya. So, <laughs> that's not what that was. But anyway, so. I was like, well, I just have to go. So yeah. I did text Dennis, mm-hmm. and he couldn't yeah. go. I should yeah. have texted my other brothers, but then I called Adam. Oh, no, Adam, I, I thought I was picking him up at the airport, but he yeah. actually got in at 1 p.m. Okay. So I found out afterwards. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, and so he came. He came with me. So we had to go. I actually had to present our, you know, you had to go get your, your passes. I brought as a... As a show and tell show today, tell. my my pass into it, I had to present myself as the other person because <laughs> wow. we weren't on the list, but that uh, they were there. And so it, it got us into two things. It got us into the showing, wow. and then not everybody who was at the showing could go to the meet and greet. But anyway, we got to go to both the showing and to the meet oh and greet gosh. with Mandy Patinkin afterwards. So... So it was really, it was pretty awesome. And I was in this theater, so they, they rented a theater. Yeah. This was the one over at Claremont Square. Yeah, I hate so, the parking there. Do you? I don't mind the parking there. It's wrong. It's right in front of the theater. Well, it is, but there are skinny spaces and they get crowded because yeah. of the other stuff around there. Yeah, they do. It's part of a shopping center. Yeah. So anyway, we uh, went there, and as I said, it was filled with a bunch of um Wealthy, older people. Okay. A lot of them seeing it for the first time. Wow. Okay, that's great. So it was kind of fun watching this movie. First of all, watching this is the first time watching the movie where it's not like half the crowd, which is our family. Yeah. Reciting the lines. Reciting every and, line. Yeah. So it was hard to remember to, like, we had <laughs> to quiet, stay yeah. silent the whole time. But, yes. you know, just oh, being part it. of this buzz with everybody most of them older, so not having seen it. So, and it's a great movie. It just doesn't, yeah. it goes by so fast. Yeah, it's, it's really plotted so well. It's tight as a yeah. drum. There's like no no lag. No, there's so, no lag. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, so then Mandy Patinkin came on afterwards. Um, yeah. He actually arrived in the theater right at the point where he got, his character got stabbed oh. in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and so then he, afterwards, before the meet and greet, he just answered, you know, people asked questions. And he, and he just told stories of his memories of being on set and on the film. So great. Yeah. So I should tell you a few of those. Okay, right? great. Yeah. yeah, I want to hear it. So, and I actually uh, didn't come prepared. I had typed out some of the things so that I wouldn't forget, but it's only mm -hmm. been a few days. Okay. So one of the stories that he, he, first of all, he had very fond memories. They had a lot of fun making this film. Yes. Um, he very famously is a swordsman in this film. That's who he plays. Right. That's his expertise in this. Mm -hmm. And um, he, they didn't, the only part of those scenes, especially there's this very epic between he and, and Wesley, the man in black, or right. the man in black at the mm -hmm. time. We don't know right. it's Wesley. Yeah. They have this epic sword fighting scene that is, uh, you know, long and involved and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The only time they used stunt doubles was when they, there's a, a part in there where they do flips. Right, yes. On, you know, and they actually had uh, Olympic gymnasts. Okay, yeah. Did the... You know, yeah. did the flip part, but mm -hmm. they did the beginning, the jump on yes. and the landing themselves. But all the sword play yeah. was Who just... are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. All the sword, all the sword stuff was them. And they had oh. to train, they had to be trained for this. Okay. And he didn't have any prior experience. Right. So he and... Carrie uh, Ellis. Wesley, Car right. Carrie Ellis, and then Sarandon. What's his name? Chris Sarandon? Chris Sarandon, yes. Because he's the other one who is the... Uh, Wait, no, 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 not Humperdinck. The, um, Humperdinck. Oh, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, yes. Right. Christopher Guest. Right, he's the other one that has to be a swordsman. They all, yeah. they all had, the three of them had to go to training. So he uh, went, he had to go for like two or three months uh, trained at Yale oh, with wow. their fencing program there. Wow. Yeah. And then had to follow up with more uh, training with uh, an Olympic coach, a fencing Olympic coach for that. Wow. So they like literally learned how to, how to fence. And then the choreograph, and he, he said that that scene, so that was really interesting. I, I didn't know how they had done that. Yeah. He talked about how much fun it was to do those scenes. Right. He and and Carrie Ellis, right? Yes. That that how much fun they had um just practicing and practicing all that part and then performing it. Yeah. And um yeah, and and uh it was just just a real joy and to the point where this they that was one of the last things that they filmed in the movie mm -hmm. was that scene. Okay. It's it's kind of early on in the movie, right. but it was one of the last things that they filmed. But how mm -hmm. sad he was when they had the final cut, you know, they, mm -hmm. they got <laughs> it. And just because it was over and that had been like such a part of their 
lives for, you know, up to that point. And I think he said that Rob Reiner, they were having trouble getting some of the angles of these shots. So they had already filmed everything. But then Rob asked them if they do the whole thing one more time with a like an overhead shot. You know, they must have been using, I don't know if it was prior to drones, so whatever they're using. Just his euphoria of doing that. And and he has the sword. He has the two swords still with oh, him. Yeah. Right. He has that sword that was he presented as his father's sword yes. that they showed him using, mm-hmm. right? Never seen its sequel. Never seen its sequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he has that sword and then the one that I guess it's the one that he actually used all the time. So anyway, mm-hmm. he has both of those uh framed up in his um, framed up and uh, and such in his house, but anyway, Wonderful. so that was some of his memories from that. Another fun memory that he talked about is they were filming. I can't remember where he said somewhere like Ireland, Scotland, mm-hmm. somewhere up in, yeah, in northern sense. Europe where they have castles. Yeah, and um, anyway the. The rodents, did I tell you this part about the rodents of unusual size? You sent me the clip from it, yeah. Oh, I yeah, did send you the clip from it. Yeah. I forgot I have that. I forgot I took a video of him talking about it. Rodents, the rodents of unusual size are, they were actually played by, there were, those were people in those costumes. Mm-hmm. And they were little people. Yeah. As he was calling, he was like... So there were little people in the costumes actually playing these, which I never knew Mm -hmm. and wouldn't have known that they, I had no idea how they did those things. So it must have been a combination of kind of 80s CGI and and people in the costume. Because it makes sense that there would be uh, little people in the, somebody in the costumes because they do a lot of wrestling with right. them. There's a lot of physical mm-hmm. stuff that happens with the rodents of unusual size. Anyway, they were out. Uh, these guys that were, um, these actors, the little people actors, were very, uh, a rowdy uh-huh. bunch. And they, he said they were out one night during filming out in the town, mm-hmm. got completely drunk. They probably <laughs> always got drunk, but right. they got... Completely drunk. I don't know if they got in a fight, but they got in enough trouble that they got arrested. And <laughs> and so Rob Reiner and somebody else from the film yeah. had to go down to the police station in this small town where they mm-hmm. were and explain to them that they needed them out. They had to, you know, they couldn't wait for right. whatever they wanted them to do. They just needed them bailed out tonight because they were filming with them the next day. And, uh, you know, it, they couldn't delay filming. And he, he said he was trying to explain to them how they were playing rodents of unusual size. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you couldn't just tell them they were actors in a film. But anyway, right. he was describing that, which I thought was a fun yeah. Um, fun takeaway. The other fun scene that he was talking about was the one with Billy Crystal. Oh, great. Did I tell you about this? No. 
Yeah, so this Billy is... Billy Crystal plays Miracle Max. He plays Miracle Max, and he's really only in one scene, which I hadn't really thought about. Right. So Billy Crystal wasn't on set for very long. He was only there for a few days. And Carol Kane. And Carol Kane, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who um, we'll see again. Yeah, so they're filming in this actually pretty small space. So yeah. there's a table where you've got uh, Wesley, now dead, or mostly dead, right? That we right. find out. And on uh, Billy Crystal's on one side of the table. So anyway, they're on either sides of this table. And then those of you who know the movie can imagine mm-hmm. next to Inigo Montoya, to his, I think, left, is Fezzik, right? Yes. Andre, Andre the, the Giant. Giant who's, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just to his right is the camera. So right to Inigo's right is the camera. And then yeah. on the other side of the camera is Rob Reiner. We, of course, don't. Mm-hmm. see the camera Rob Reiner but they're right there right. and he said that Billy Crystal who just came in for a few days just improvised all these lines <laughs> and he said he just kept making up all these uh, medieval jokes <laughs> <laughs> so that oh my like mud lettuce and tomato sandwiches the one that we know right he just makes all this stuff yeah. up none of that is in there and every time they do a take he does something different it's never the same thing mm-hmm. and so they were having the hardest time keeping right. it together and and he said rob reiner was the worst of it rob reiner could not <laughs> hold it together everything that Came out of Billy Crystal's mouth. He just kept busting up <laughs> yeah, and so ruining funny. take after take after take. And so yeah. Rob Reiner had to go into the hall. Apparently there was a little hall <laughs> off this room. <laughs> okay. He had to go into the hallway and stuff a towel in his mouth oh to keep it, to muffle stupid. it enough so that he wouldn't have to ruin the takes. Yeah. Um, let's see. One other thing that he talked about when they're in the... Um, in the what do you what do you call it the peasant no the poor people's wooded area what did they call yeah. that the uh, thieves forest yeah the thieves they call it the thieves forest I want the thieves forest emptied by the yeah night, yeah yeah right? so when they yeah the when they're there and and yeah. Fezzik comes ac- across Inigo Montoya and Inigo yeah. Montoya's crazy drunk uh-huh. and they have to he's trying to sober him up mm-hmm. and so by He's got two barrels of water, and yeah. we see one is steaming and one yeah. is cold. And so Fezzik, Andre the Giant, is just holding up his head, uh, up and yes. even Montoya's head, and dunking him one after the other. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that scene, he was, <laughs> they were actually doing that. I'm sure one yeah, wasn't hot yeah. water, but mm-hmm. they were doing that so much, he, they, he kept banging his head on the inside of the barrel. <laughs> but... He said the only injury he sustained in the movie, though, was he he said, and I don't know how much of this is actor, you know, embellishing, but he said it was from a, a bruised rib from holding, trying to not laugh while Billy Crystal is <laughs> doing this. That's, he yes. says that's the only injury he, uh, he sustained. Yes. He also described how he had his kids on set that day when they were doing that scene with the oh. bobbing his head up and down. And the, he has a picture framed at home of Andre the Giant putting his head on his four-year-old son's... Oh. I mean, putting his hand on his four-year-old son's yeah. head. And you like couldn't even see his kid's head because the mm-hmm. hand 
covered so much of it. Did he talk at all about his relationship with Andre the Giant? He they had such he great did. chemistry. Yeah, in the he movie. said that Andre the Giant was the kindest, most mm-hmm. wonderful person he's maybe has ever known. Oh, that's so great. that does make sense. Yeah, they yeah. did have wonderful the two of them. The chemistry between the two of them was fantastic. Was fantastic. Yeah, he but he did say the whole cast they got along really well. I at the meet and yeah, greet it comes I, through on the screen. Yeah, at the meet and greet, I asked him if if he knew how funny this was going to be. Could they tell yeah. that? Um, and he said that they laughed a lot on set. You know, mm-hmm. so they knew sometimes they had a, but that they couldn't have a sense of how the movie was going to be. Right. And and he talked about how it was kind of a flop when it came out, mm-hmm. and that it actually. He said he remembers it being a flop, but then after a little bit of being out, it kind of caught on with university students. Yeah, and right. spread mm-hmm. through that, which makes sense because that was my I was right. I was in college <laughs> at the time. Yeah, yeah, and so then I also told him that um, our nephew we have a nephew yes. who is a a division one fencer. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Jacob. that Jacob. Began fencing from loving this movie. Yes, he did. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because that's what I told Mandy Patinkin yeah. <laughs> that we have my nephew. Our family loves us so much, but our nephew loved him in this movie so much that you know <laughs> he so took great. up fencing and now he's fencing at the mm-hmm. at the Depression highest level yeah. in in college and you know and also that how much joy he's brought the you know, our family and, and stuff over the years. So that was that was really fun. So that was the, cause some of the stuff I remember from, as far as the Princess Bride stuff, I also didn't know until we were in there. Like, I had seen Yentl, but uh-huh. I didn't yeah, know I until that. I went to the screening that he actually had a big part in Yentl. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, so he talked about being on that set, too. Okay. A very different set. Yeah. Than... Than the oh, Princess Bride, but he that should be interesting. Yeah, right? he, but he seemed to have a great respect for Barbara Streisand. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean. But um, but anyway, yeah. So I didn't know about that, and they talked about other movies he was in that I also had never heard of. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was in on Broadway in Sunday in the Park with George as. Uh, yes, they talked about Stephen that. Sondheim. Yeah, so yeah. He, I mean, he has a good voice. Yeah. And he had been, I guess, in theater mm-hmm. before that. And now he does a concerts. But even though he sings, it's not a singing concert. It's a, um, it's like a narrative. Yeah. You know, he's a storyteller. Yeah. He was in Chicago Hope, a series. Oh, okay. I, I didn't really watch it. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but this Cinema Society, you would love. This yeah. is all your people. I know. I and they see. screen all these things, and they also give them, like, they clearly had, like, homework assignments on who saw, you know, what all these movies I've never heard of that are, you know, some of them are just getting buzz in whatever festival or whatever, something. But, yeah, they all talked about all these up-and-coming movies. and i got to look into this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sounds exciting. Yeah, so they were all... Yeah, so that was, uh, they yeah. discussed that. So it was all things kind of over my head. 
but it was really fun to go and and uh, watch it and meet him. And so that was my Princess Bride yeah. experience. Yeah. So I mean, should we talk about the movie itself a little bit? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought we had, but maybe yeah. well, maybe we haven't. Oh, it's a great well, movie. It's, it's, it is. It held up well for you. It holds up so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it again, uh-huh. not in the theater, and I've, I've seen it, of course, in a theater, um, uh, even since the time with Joe. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just so, it's, it's, you know, I don't watch it every year, so I think it's been a little bit, um, not terribly long. You always but sneak out uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, well, if we get together. <laughs> uh, Christmas Eve, I usually watch uh, a different movie. Um, Jimmy Stewart movie. Um, but it's a wonderful life. Why are you rolling your eyes? And it's a wonderful life. Because everybody does that on Christmas Eve. You would. It's a wonderful life, hater. No, I love that movie. Okay, <laughs> but it's so overdone watching that on Christmas Eve. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm not I'll judging. I'm not, I'm not judging. Uh, yeah, I love coming back to it. I really love. Uh, I think it has a great use of subtext. Which um, you know, subtext is of course when the you know the text is what's actually said and 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 done on screen, and then the subtext is what it really means, and that's what that's kind of the backbone of storytelling. Where and you can kind of see it in this movie where where the audience learns that as you wish really means I love you, right? Yeah, and the. Um, you know, Inigo's mantra is not just a, a quest for vengeance, but it's this character's whole life story. So when he's saying it, you're thinking not just of his desire to kill this guy, but of what this kid has been through and his relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these invests us with these characters. Uh, uh, and, it, and it really kind of um, fleshes things out in this very wonderfully plotted story within a, a story or within that framing device. Um, and I think that really pays off um, as the movie comes to the inevitable happy ending because you know, obviously, Leslie and Buttercup are going to end up together. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to be one of these 70s movies. <laughs> right. Uh, all nuanced and everything. Although Humperdinck does live. He does live, which then the movie spoils that for yeah. us. Um, um, but I love how we're getting to the inevitable happy ending. And once we get to that, the grandfather interrupts it, mm-hmm. interrupts that moment. And it's another use of subtext because we've learned to understand that the the complaints about the kissing it's not so much that, but that actually means that the kid is not invested in the story, right? Okay. And so we have that kind of payoff where when saying that, okay, he actually doesn't mind and he wants to hear how it ends, that he's kind of come around full circle. And so the big happy ending is not so much just a love story between Wesley and Buttercup, but it's a love story between a grandfather and his grandson. Right. And you kind of, and and it ends with the grandfather saying, "As you wish," right? Or "I love you," right? To his grandson, yeah. and it just gives the movie so much warmth. Yeah, 
And that's where I say it wouldn't be the same without that framing device. Mm -hmm. Because there are some um, rough edges or like the, when you were talking about before the um, stunt doubles for the flips, Mm -hmm. you know, watching it this time, I was like, oh, well, that's like a lot more obvious (laughs) that it is a stunt double, even Uh for a 1987 movie. Right. Uh, and, you know, some of the sets look a little fake, but I think uh-huh. that that really works because there is something kind of at arm's length because mm-hmm. we're kind of in, investing in the story through this child and mm-hmm. his grandfather. And, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, what would this movie be like if, you know, I'll credit to Rob Reiner, who's a very efficient director and, and you know, had mm-hmm. a real strong streak there. Uh, but he's not a genius, right? He's no like. What if Steven Spielberg had directed this? You think movie? Steven Spielberg is a genius? Oh yeah, I mean, he, I mean he's a phenomenal dire- director. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's as great as that run Rob Reiner had. He doesn't really have a distinctive style. Like you're not mm-hmm. going to see, you know, when Harry met Sally and a few good men and the Princess Bride and say, oh, the same person, the same mind, okay, made these. They're yeah. just they're all great. Well. Uh, when Harry Met Sally and the Princess Pride are great, and uh-huh. um, you know, A Few Good Men is is entertaining. It's good, yeah, it's it's entertaining. But I think it just it really because if that um, body of the movie were produced at the level of a Raiders of the Lost Ark, where everything looks great and it's just filmed with mm-hmm. consummate skill, it would kind of take us out of that framing device. Yeah. Because like imagine Raiders of the Lost Ark where we get a device where everything's just a, a book that some guy's reading, mm-hmm. it would yeah. lessen the stakes. Right. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we're too invested in yeah. in the body of it. Whereas here we get invested kind of we do get invested in these characters because it's they're yeah. they're great characters, but it's through the this really sweet relationship and it even the framing device is so well done because you do have it kind of has its own character arc because mm-hmm. every time it's interrupted it's more investment in the story mm-hmm. right because they interrupt it with the eels and the kid's mm-hmm. like well i wasn't i'm I'm just a little concerned i'm not mm-hmm. um the, by later in the movie he's like who kills humperdinck and mm-hmm. you, you know really well done yeah so credit to Fred yeah. Savage and Peter Falk, who are a very, I think, an essential part of this movie. Underrated. Yeah, yeah it's interesting that um, he starts out with that, Fred Savage plays yeah. the kid, starts out with that, who kills Humperdinck, or not starts yeah. out, but in the middle of the movie as he's getting invested, mm-hmm. yeah. he's into the revenge part, right? Yes. And, and that was it? one of the things that Mandy Patinkin talked about his big takeaway from the film mm-hmm. because people have asked him what do you think it is about and you're supposed to say true love right right and then you describe mm-hmm. true love as the father the grandson or or you know however you do yeah. it you know it's framed as as this but he said he sees it as his final words in the movie remember yeah. when they're at the the he he's already avenged his father's death yeah he killed the six-fingered man. Right. And now they're about to jump onto the horses and, and jump out the window onto the horses and run yeah. away. 
and uh, right off into the sunset. And he, his whole life has been about avenging his father's yeah, death. Exactly. And now he's done it and he... What is he going to do now? Yeah, and he, he feels it didn't satisfy. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. that vengeance doesn't satisfy yes. that thing. It's kind of like unforgiven. Right, exactly. Which is we may that, or may not have already talked about depending on when I release this. <laughs> Uh, but anyway he talks about that and he he related it to politics of today but of of just the sense of you know there's that 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 will never be satiated yeah yeah vengeance will never be satiated so you need a a greater purpose than than that and so anyway so he he said that that's what he's most proud of in that movie is his, yes. is his final and and that, that storyline just balances so well with the love story. Yes. You know, the, just kind of the, like, a sweet and sour type of yin and yang. Yeah. They kind of fit together. Right. Uh, so well. And even that subplot is also just kind of a love story between Inigo and his memory of his father. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, And the friendship story with Fezzik. Yeah. Um, There's just so much to invest with. I just, that's such a great movie. Yeah. And and I love how you're saying that it's, it should have this, I mean, the song, the Mark Knopfler song talks about the storybook, you know, Mm -hmm. that this is a storybook love story, storybook ending, all that kind of stuff. And it does have this feel of a, of a not real life. We're not entering Mm -hmm. into medieval times but it's a storybook you know the the whole knot on the wall it's the you know on the on the tree stump where you you know enter into this but um yeah there's so many just wonderful yes. themes and i i do love this movie i love it too yeah. um it's funny you do mention storybook love which was the movie's only oscar nomination yeah right crazy. for best song it did lose the best song Oscar that year. Uh, so can I'm gonna see if you can name this too. Okay. Which is the movie that did win best song for 1987. Okay. Uh, it's not from The Last Emperor. I think you'll get this though. But... Now I have the time this is yeah, I've had the time of my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how I can it's see that. Movie. That is, uh, uh, it's a great song. Yeah. Uh, Princess Bride's better than Dirty Dancing. It holds up way better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dirty Dancing's pretty fun. It is a fun movie. Ways. I really, I liked it, but it. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah. Did you do a limerick? Uh, maybe. Okay, I have one. Okay, ready okay. for mine? Yes. Okay. In Florin, a love story is retold, with heroes and villains quite bold. But true love prevails as the story unveils a taste of a tale of adventure and gold. That's one of the best ones. I think that might yeah. be the best one it's ever done. That is. That's great. That's really good. Yeah, I, I took a completely different tack with mine, but that's okay. a very good one. Oh, you did. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> Is his name Kevin? I forgot that. 
Um, boy? I don't think he's named, but he's Kevin okay. in the Wonder Years. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is out at the, yeah, yeah. the same time. Grandfather pulls out a book, but the kid couldn't bother to look. Then tales of excitement inspire enlightenment. Now Kevin is totally hooked. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Yeah, and so good. that's like where I do kind of see it as the... Two good limericks. The, yeah, the framing device is kind of the central force. It's so, so, so great. Yeah. And really yeah. just makes it a different movie than it otherwise would have done. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so great. Anything else on the... the Princess Pride? No, this is fun. I'm I'm glad. I mean, we've been kind of wanting to talk about this movie the whole time. Is yeah. there another movie that's like this for us that we just love but we'll never talk about? Well, we can talk about whatever we want. I mean, I maybe like Toy Story. We can yeah. definitely talk about Toy Story at some point. Or The Incredibles. The Incredibles. It's another I don't know, any Pixar in the world. Maybe we could do a Pixar ranking after this. But, um, I do have no, another ranking that you need to do. Oh, yeah, it's, what is it? Um, the, first of all, to see if you can name and rank all the Robert Redford-directed movies. Like right now? <laughs> no, because it's not on topic, but but maybe, yeah. maybe we'll do it at lunch if you want to yeah. go to lunch. Sure. <laughs> Which is, now everybody's getting in our business, but... <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean, I think I'll get a few of them, I don't know, I think uh-huh. one of them was from 1992. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that it actually beat Unforgiven for Best Cinematography. Oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's These are the sort of things that we talk about when we go out to breakfast, yeah. or today, maybe we'll go out to lunch. Okay, yeah, time. let's yeah. do that, so we okay. can wrap this up, and right. uh, you don't get to hear our Robert Renford discussion, because we already, we already talked about his only Best Picture winner. Yeah. So, too yeah. bad for you. Yeah, if you want. If you're that into Robert Redford, just watch uh, Ordinary People again. Yeah. Uh, or The Sting. Yeah. But I, I actually prefer Ordinary People. I'm weird that way. Well, we'll see what the list says. Yeah, the list thinks The Sting is better. No, yeah. I meant the list that I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll get the whole list, but yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, so... Yeah, that's the the Princess Bride, and uh, yeah. next week we'll be back to continue our ranking of the best picture winners. Uh, getting uh, we're deep into the top twenty now. Yeah, pretty yeah. wild. Approaching the top ten. Yeah, so this was our bonus movies. episode. Yes, this was our we'll call it shout out to Jacob. Shout out to Jacob. Shout out to Mandy Patinkin. Right. Um, Doubt Mandy Patinkin yes. will be watching. Listening. We will. The only one from The Princess Bride that we'll see again is Carol Kane, I think. Oh, she really? has a, a small role in Annie Hall. Oh. Uh, we did already see Robin Wright in Forrest Gump. Um, I, I don't think we'll see any of them again. At any rate, uh, we'll be back next week to continue our countdown. Yes, we will. Thank you for joining. Bye. Bye.